Good morning, everybody. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about, to start with, about uh, when I grew up. Um, I actually grew up in a, had the privilege, actually, of growing up in a Christian home. And uh, one of the things that that meant was that as I grew up, I was surrounded by Bible stories, uh, whether my parents were telling me them or I was reading them in children's Bibles or hearing them at church. Or, and many of those stories as a child, certainly, were about the miracles of Jesus. And so I grew up um, not really questioning. You know, Jesus was this person who went around preaching and who did miracles. That was who he was to me at that time. And over the past few uh, weeks, as I've been preparing and praying about this morning, um, one of the questions that keeps coming to me is, you know, why? Why did Jesus do miracles? What was the point of them? Um, In the Gospels, particularly the first three Gospels, there are many miracles recorded. But in the Gospel of John, um, there's actually only seven miracles that are recorded in that Gospel. And John sort of structures his whole, uh, or much of his his writing, around those seven miracles. So there's a miracle and then there's a long sort of discourse when Jesus is talking with people or preaching. And each of those seven miracles um, are there for a reason. And over and over again, as you read those miracles, the account of those miracles, um, John calls them signs. He uses the word signs for this miracle. So the first one is the the changing of water into wine um, at the wedding in Cana. And after that, John writes that this was the first sign of Jesus' glory and and so on. And most of those miracles actually are are described as signs. The last one, which is the raising of Lazarus from, from death... Um, it's not John that writes that it's a sign. It's actually the, the chief priests and the, the Pharisees talking afterwards. And they say, here is this man performing many signs. Now, we were on holiday this last week in, in, in Snowdonia. And uh, we did quite a lot of walking. And when you were out walking in the hills, it's just ink, am I on the right path? And of course, when you see those signs, those public footpath signs, it, it's just a, a reminder to you that you're on the right path. Or even the days of uh, sat-nav, when you're on the motorway driving, you still see the signs, don't you, on the gantries above the motorway, telling you that you're on the right way, or pointing you in the right direction, or telling you how far you've got to go. And so signs don't actually point to themselves, do they? They actually point to something else. So when John refers to the miracles as signs, he's actually asking us to look behind the miracle and see what, what he's actually saying. I was was very struck because Richard started out this morning by quoting from John 1, and I was going to use that this morning, so thank thank you, Richard, for doing that. But um, in John 1, um, John talks about Jesus, doesn't he? And he talks about Jesus being the Word of God. And he said that um, Jesus existed uh, right at the beginning. He was with God and he was God. That's that's from John 1. And um, he then goes on to talk about Jesus and being the creator, the word that created everything that we see around us. So he's not just the miracle worker. He's not just the itinerant preacher that I thought about when I was a child. What John's actually saying is, no, don't just think of him as yet another preacher or yet another faith healer. He's actually far more than that. He's actually um, with God. He actually is God. He's actually the one who created through, through speaking it out, everything that we see around us. And John wants us to get a hold of that very, very clearly. 
When we read the creation story in in Genesis 1, um, one of the things that is repeated over and over again is that God said, let there be light. And out of that, there's creation. So so out 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 of God's speech, out of the word of God, Jesus, everything that was empty and void and nothing came into being. And so everything that we see around us, the, the sun and the moon and the stars and the, the dry land and the sea and the rivers and the animals and birds and the fish, all of that was created by Jesus, the word of God, at the beginning. And when Jesus created these things, what, what does it say at the end of each day? God looked on all that he'd made and he said it, it was good. So the creation that we have around us is something that is good. And then on the sixth day, God creates humankind, doesn't he? Through his word, Jesus. And at the end of the sixth day, God doesn't say that that creation was good. He actually says, he looks on humankind and he says, it was very good. And I asked myself the question, why was it very good? Well, I think it's this. It's because God created humankind in his own image, didn't he? He created him with the characteristics with a personality, with relation, ability to relate, the ability to love that was contained within the Trinity itself. And because of that, it was very, very good. Also, um, God gave at the time of creation of, of humankind, God gave Adam and Eve, he gave them a, a command. And what he told them was to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and that was the command that we, we still have today, is to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. But what are we meant to fill the earth with? We're actually meant to fill the earth with, with millions of beings that are created in God's image. We're meant to extend God's image wherever we go. Now, sadly, um, as we all know, we, we blew it. And because of our sin, because of our disobedience, uh, we've continued to fill the earth and we've continued to multiply but we've done it with, with marred images, with broken images of who God is. And sadly, the world that we see around us is that broken, that marred, that imperfect world. Not the world that God originally intended when he created us through Jesus, the, world, the word, but actually a broken version of, of that creation. And that was the world that Jesus came into. Uh, he came into this broken world where they were subject to, to Roman rule, where um, where the Pharisees were, were putting, putting demands on people. It was a hard world to live in. And I think when we turn back to the miracles and turn back to these signs that Jesus is, is, um, is, is giving um, when he does the miracles, what he's actually saying, what he's actually doing, is he's actually giving us a source of what the world was intended to be when he first created it. So um, because of the fall, we have sickness in the world. So Jesus went about healing people and restoring people to full health. Because of the fall, Satan uh, gained power in the world. And so Jesus casts out and overcomes, overpowers the evil forces that are around us. Because of the fall, um, death comes into the world. And Jesus even demonstrates, for example, in in John 11, the raising of Lazarus, he, he, he actually demonstrates that he has power even over death himself. And so what he's doing is he's giving us little glimpses, little, little snapshots, if you like, of what the world was intended to be for us when God created and what our part was in that. 
before, before the fall, before we sinned. Now, if, all that, if it was just that, if all that, God, uh, all that Jesus was doing through these signs was showing us what we've missed out on, then that would actually be quite cruel, wouldn't it? It would be actually quite a negative thing. And God is anything but cruel. He's anything but, but, but vindictive in that way. And so the other thing that these signs, these miracles point to, I think is the world that is to come as well. Uh, Jesus promised us, didn't he, that he would give us life in all its fullness in John 10.10. He also promised that he would make everything new again. He promised that he would bring a new heaven and a new earth. And I think, again, the miracles are signs of what is to come for us as well, for those that are obedient and those who choose to follow him. So what's the implication of all that for us today? Um, these, these, these signs that Jesus gave us. I think, first of all, we, we live, don't we, in a very, very dark time. Um, I know in my own lifetime, I don't think I've ever felt as depressed about the world around me as I do today. When I see things like you know, climate change and hear about you know, what all the politicians are doing. And it, we can easily get, get focused in on that. We can easily get focused in on our own problems whether that's sickness or bereavement or loss of jobs or whatever else it might be. And we can easily get, think that that is the reality. That is the only thing that's going to count for us. But actually, I think what the miracles are doing is actually pointing to something else and saying, no, that isn't the reality. The reality of what I did happened at creation when I made this perfect world for you. And even though now you live in a, in a broken world, I'm going to make that new. And I want, to fo- I want you to focus on that again. I want you to live your lives in all the fullness that I've, I've offered to you. I want you to live your lives with your, your heads lifted high because one day it's all going to be good again. It's all going to be perfect once more. Um, our church um, mission statement, um, I love this. Um, ordinary people changed by God to change the world. And I think just in conclusion... That as we, as we lift our heads up and as we look at this reality that, that uh, God has given to us and that he gives us a glimpse of in the miracles, I think what we can do is not only be transformed ourselves, but we can be ordinary people changed by God who then bring transformation to others who change the world. Thank you.